0: pitching coach just helped Mitch Keller and other youngsters get better. The other pitching coach is the one who still has the major league job. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. I was not expecting... Anything to take place related specifically to the baseball team that could set me ablaze during the scope of this lockout where you're really not even allowed to do things. But yesterday, Joel Hanrahan, the former terrific closer here in Pittsburgh and the now former terrific coach, Of the pitchers at Triple A Indianapolis announced his departure from the Pirates yesterday on Twitter. He also spoke with our Alex Stump from DK Pittsburgh Sports last night and explained that he felt there were better opportunities elsewhere. He'll announce what that will be in the near future. But most distressing by far, was that the Pirates very clearly made zero attempt to get him to Pittsburgh. Now, I'm not talking about this out of the blue after the fact. I've been talking about Hanrahan versus Oscar Marine for quite some time. And the underlying theme to what I've brought up on several occasions over the past few months is what the role is for the major league pitching coach. To me, and by the way, also to a lot of teams around baseball, that role is singular in focus. That role is aimed at that individual making that staff the best it can be making those individuals the best they can be and that's not the sense that i get from the pirates when it comes to marine he is described and he also follows through and acts as if he is the grand overseer of all pitching things throughout the organization well awesome then Go ahead and become pitching coordinator and worry about how so-and-so in the DSL or in high A is improving with his slider or change or whatever. But if you're going to be the major league pitching coach, you had better be getting results in Pittsburgh, not somewhere else. This guy hasn't done it. Name me one pitcher who's gotten better. Under Marine, in two years now, and yeah, I know 2020 was a shortened season, but it's still a year. Two years now. Name me one pitcher who's gotten better in Pittsburgh. Still thinking? You're going to keep on thinking, because you won't be able to come up with one. I have tried. I've dedicated entire episodes to it. I've come up empty. I've Tried to give the benefit of the doubt by throwing in David Bednar, but Bednar arrived here from the San Diego system polished and ready to go. I was in Bradenton, watched his very first session throwing to batters. He was doing the same thing that day at Pirate City that you saw him doing in September at PNC Park. Chris Stratton? Okay, but is that what you want to hang your hat on after two years as a major league pitching coach? How about a really good weekend for Clay Holmes in San Francisco that allowed Ben Charrington to trade Holmes for way too much from the Yankees? One weekend of Clay Holmes? Okay, you can have that too. What are we up to now? You know who was the big challenge for a Marine? The moment he came in and took this job, do you know who the big challenge was? It was Keller. It was Keller. I'm reminded of when I first got on the Pirates beat. This was dating myself here, but it was 2005. And I went around and introduced myself to Lloyd McClendon, who was the manager then, and all of his various coaches, and one of them was Spin Williams, the pitching coach. We had a really good, long, super candid talk. And one of the things that I heard from Spin that day that I'll never forget was he said, I'm going to keep my job as long as that guy over there keeps pitching well. And that guy over there was Oliver Perez. And Spin was right. When Oliver was looking like a baby-faced Sandy Koufax, everyone thought Spin was a genius. And the moment Oliver wasn't, there went Spin. That should have been attached to Keller. Not by Derek Shelton, not by Charrington, but by Bob Nutting. Because it was Nutting himself who stated in emphatic terms that he no longer wanted to see pitchers leaving Pittsburgh and magically doing well somewhere else. The way we saw with Garrett Cole and Charlie Morton in Houston, the way we saw with Tyler Glass now, In St. Petersburg, we've seen it with other cases. So here was Keller, the number seven prospect in all of baseball a couple years ago. And who ended up straightening out Keller? This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience underscoring the word experience the steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800 degree stone and you do the rest it's a ton of fun it's a great meal and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in pittsburgh north shore tavern right across federal street from pnc park that's right keller runs into hard times this past summer where did they send him to indianapolis Why did they send him there? Because Joel Hanrahan was there. Hanrahan, who obviously achieved a lot in the majors, a two-time All-Star, reliable closer, that's a solid, solid decade-plus career in the bigs. He could speak from experience. Not all great coaches or great managers have to have been accomplished players. In fact, it's pretty rare that they are. But it doesn't hurt. It isn't a drawback. And Hanrahan went at that assignment, by every account, with gusto. And he got into that kid's head, which is where everyone needed to be from the outset, since his apparent problem was Not wanting to throw inside. Hanrahan had no such issue when he was in the majors. And Hanrahan, I don't know if he got the job done or not. Time will tell on that. But I can say with full confidence that Keller thought he got the job done. And Keller, when he came back to the majors was not just a different pitcher, but a different person. You could hear it in the way he spoke. You could see it in the way he was conducting himself on the mound. And he was starting to get results. And when I asked Keller late in the season, this was really late actually in September, to describe what was it that changed for him, he credited one more time Joel Hanrahan. Hanrahan was getting results. Hanrahan had been in the system for five years. He'd worked his way up. He had earned, more than earned, a promotion. Heck, this management team named him Officially, it's Danny Murtaugh, Coach of the Year in the system. And that was that. Oscar Marine was deemed more valuable to the Major League Coaching staff than Hanrahan. Why? Analytics, maybe. Uh, Oscar might be more inclined to speak to the biomechanics of this and that and everything else that he's talked about, and I'm not dismissing any of it. I don't claim to understand it. I don't have a degree in that sort of thing. But I've heard enough people speak well of it, and I've read enough about it to appreciate that it's a real thing. But is it what you want from your major league pitching coach? Or do you want someone who has answers right there in the dugout? who can form the relationships, the bonds, the respect that you need to improve at the top level. You can't convince me in any way that Marine is better equipped to do that job, that role, than Hanrahan was. And this organization has one very big strike against it for letting Hanrahan walk away here. This was a mistake. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. And the one today comes from Andrew, who asks potential Major League Baseball national streaming service has been reported on and it would be great for cord cutting fans a group to which I aspire to belong thinking more broadly I'm wondering about the impact on revenue distribution. For those of you who don't understand a syllable of what Andrew just said and you could be forgiven for it I'm about to explain because it's worth it First off What Andrew was referring to was an article in nationalinterest.org in October that spoke to Major League Baseball's wish to have its own streaming mechanisms in place by 2023, including for local broadcasts. Hmm, you know how you go now when you buy MLB.whatever or ESPN+, and you can't watch the games that your own actual favorite team is playing? Well, this would be a way to do that. And this would circumvent, in every case, all of the local cable companies. Now, in turn you'd have some really, really significant pushback and the cable companies would have to have their palms greased or there'd be lawsuits and whatever else here. But this is where it's going to go. This is where it's going to happen, whether it's something that, just speaking locally, that AT&T, Sportsnet, Pittsburgh would go along with or not, they would do well to get ahead of this instead of constantly being behind. There are... Very, very few legal, in parentheses, mechanisms for watching your favorite team online. That's dumb, because that's where all the people are going. So, skipping past how realistic it is uh, to have that kind of timetable, uh, what kind of complications will arise, including in courtrooms... Skipping past all of that, the other point that Andrew, I think, here is making when he refers to the impact on revenue distribution is this. If the greatest single disparity between the Pirates and the Dodgers, just using extreme examples here, is the local TV contract and the local TV contract ends up not being a real thing because everyone's dropping cable, which is also what Andrew referenced there when he referred to cord cutting, then the playing field just levels by nature. Sure, the Dodgers and the Yankees and so forth are always going to have greater revenues. I've gone over on this program with you guys about the incredible sums of money that the Dodgers just get by virtue of having 57,000 seats and higher prices and a sea of asphalt for parking. The Pirates don't have any of those things, and the parking specifically is a $0 sum year after year in Pittsburgh. Pirates don't hold any lots. So there is always going to be some kind of advantage, but it's not going to be this So if you're Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association, how can something like this not enter into the actual talks? Word emerged yesterday that the two sides will only be discussing things that are related directly to baseball, like rules and so forth, this month, that they're not going to get to any financial stuff until January, which for me sounds awesome, because the later they push that back, the greater the chances of a stoppage, greater chances of a stoppage, the greater the chances of a salary cap system emerging on the other side, or a cap-type system, I should say. But this really ought to come up. This is, or could be, baseball's way of leveling the playing field the same way the NFL did. By accident, because the NFL really doesn't even have local TV contracts because all NFL games, because there are so few of them and because they are so popular, are aired on some form of national TV. There's no such thing as, for example, the Jacksonville Jaguars having a local TV contract unless it's for a couple of preseason games. The Steelers have a local TV contract with KDKA for their preseason games. Not the same thing. The main games are always on national TV. And as a result, the revenues from all of that are split evenly, completely evenly, among all 32 NFL franchises. If this happens in baseball, that—that that is, in fact... A game changer. I appreciate you sending me this, Andrew, and asking. You didn't really ask a question, but you kind of just sent this in, and it's really, really cool. Uh, this is this is good feedback. We'll be back to we'll do another show tomorrow to wrap up the week.